Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, people of all ages, welcome back to the Sticky Floors podcast. I am one of your hosts, CJ, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Will. And tonight we are talking about the Christmas classic, Die Hard, starring uh, our main man, Bruce Willis. So this is uh, this is our third show, man. We've talked about Bruce Willis. You know, like we did uh, Lucky Number Slevin. We did uh, Pulp Fiction, and now we're doing Die Hard. Um, obviously, so Bruce Willis is, is your man. Well, what, what is it about Bruce Willis that makes him like somebody who um, so many of his movies man, you really dig? There, where do I start to count the ways of how I love Bruce Willis? <laughs> the, uh, pause for the younger generation, even though I don't believe in any of that. Um, no, real talk, all seriousness. I believe that Bruce Willis has uh, come onto the scene uh, and just dominated everything that he's been in, whether he was credited or for, or not, just memorable performances, uh, very captivating, charismatic. Uh, he's not just stereotypical action hero. Um, you know, like he can show a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. He's funny, witty. Um, he's like an everyman. Mm-hmm. You know, you could picture yourself as him. Um, and then much, just on some so. like, you know, anecdotal, personal, like my, my, my middle brother, um, he was a big Bruce Willis fan when he came out with his album where he actually sang. Not too many people know about that. And, um, and this dude would play this mm-hmm. thing to that. death. It would just that, crack yeah. me up. Cause I'm like, Bruce Willis can't sing, man. He don't know nothing about the blues. He thinking he is jazz singer or whatever. It just, it was just so funny to me, man. Like, so it just harkens back to a time when like, Things just seemed so much simpler, you know, almost on some Wu-Tang, can it be also simple Gladys Knight type joint, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and also New Jersey native, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you got to you got to add that to it. Yeah. So. So, yeah, this movie um, comes out in 1988. Right. And Bruce Willis, you can make a case that this is the beginning of the rocket ship of Bruce Willis's career. Because a lot of people, I know for me, I I got, I discovered watching Bruce Willis in Moonlighting, which is a show with uh, him and Sybil Shepard, right? Which was, was the jam. And it was like one of those, it was one of like one of, it was one of those shows where the the tension was all about the will they, won't they get together, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. same thing as like, and who's the boss or, you know, X-Files, which X-Files is kind of a little bit along those lines of that show, but a little bit different. And then... You remember yeah. uh, he had the joint blind date yeah. with him and Kim Basinger, right? Which, which is so, which is funny because you know it's a lot of a lot of dudes have messed up <laughs> thinking that you know, oh, I'm gonna get this girl, just a little alcohol, and then we're gonna have a wild time, and instead she destroys your life. That it's funny because it happens in real life. <laughs> so, so, so he had he had oh. that one, um, and and this movie this movie has some some influences because. Like, you know, this is 88, this comes out. And when I was watching it, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I was thinking, oh, this movie yeah. reminds me of like a Rambo kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And also MacGyver, which, you know, what you were telling me earlier came out in 85. So like, you know, for those who don't know, MacGyver was like this guy who would kind of go around and he would like solve all these problems and, and basically restore the balance of justice. But he was like a, a genius. So he would always like find mm-hmm. little things to put together to like make weapons and make bombs and make explosives and all that. And it was just, it was just really interesting the way he did things. And it's funny because when I was watching this, I was thinking like Die Hard is kind of like a role-playing game, like, like a, like a back in the day, like a <laughs> Nintendo joint. Like, you know, like first you start off with that, you start off with a handgun and then you upgrade to a machine gun and then you upgrade to a machine gun with some dynamite and then you upgrade and then you upgraded some shoes and then you could upgrade to like a bulletproof vest like it was just it was just that kind of movie and and then um i think that this movie is like the movie like inspires like other kinds of shows like um i think Mm. this is like the father to speed which is like another one of those kind of movies where a lot of the tension between the main protagonist and antagonist right it doesn't happen with them together it's very separate and you know this movie is like that and then obviously like the csi shows and a lot of the super cop shows we have now are kind of based on this and i can't if we're going to talk about cops i gotta point out that my man is in here from family matters (laughs) reginald vell johnson and 
I just want to spend like maybe 20 seconds just pointing out that absolutely I think this is the same character. I think like after Die Hard, this guy, Mr. Winslow, went to went to Chicago. He changed his identity. He got remarried, but he stayed being a cop because he really believed in being a cop. But he didn't want to work in LA anymore because he hated his police chief because his chief is a, is a real jerk. Um so yeah, so I, I got that. Listen, can, can we just spend like maybe just three minutes just talking about the perils of office parties, <laughs> like office holiday parties? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know any. I've talked to a few HR people in my in my professional <laughs> time, right? None of them like the idea of the office HR party, office party. The office Christmas party is a minefield of problems. First of all, there's always alcohol right? There's always the risk that someone is going to fall down the steps and want to sue and be the workers comp lawsuit, that the people that hate each other are going to get into a fight, that the people that kind of been flirting are going to get into an illicit affair or relationship. Someone is going to say something inappropriate and risk their career. And you know, the office party is on Wednesday and by Friday, you're going to be sitting in the HR office. I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, the, the office party, it's almost like, it's almost like when you're on the highway and you're like, you drive by an accident, you can't help, but like, look to see, is there a head going to be on the, this concrete? Like what's going on over there? That's what the office party is like. Everybody knows it's a bad idea, but everybody keeps doing you know, it anyway. You know, the funny thing about your office party it's... slash uh, your theories, conspiracy theories, you know, it's funny because there's some elements of truth to it. Going back to... Like, for those that don't know, CJ is the master of, like, alternative realities. Like, he has a theory for almost every movie. That makes it sound like I'm crazy. <laughs> that makes it sound like I'm crazy. When you say somebody's a master of alternative reality, <laughs> that makes it sound like I'm like, no, I have, you're like, not a sitting in a room with tin hats on, the aluminum foil hats on and stuff. That's, a, that's what it It's just like, more man. like um, thought-provoking like. um, fan fiction that could be uh, 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 an actual uh, interesting short or uh, a good, uh, you know, 45 minute episode of like, what if, or whatever have you, at least I find it intriguing. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing with respect to, excuse me, uh, CJ mentioning the office parties is that I worked at HR uh, at multiple places. And I can <laughs> honestly tell you, I've been bored at every single office party I've ever been to. They pull out the whole gala affair and you wear the nice suit or tuxedo and, you know, champagne toast. And we had a great fourth quarter or a great year and all that gibberish. And I'm just sitting there waiting like, OK, I'm going to stay for about 45 minutes and then I'm out and I'm going home and mm -hmm. I just want to lay down. Mm -hmm. And what I yep. never I, yep. I don't really associate with any of the people like they were my coworkers for a reason. They're not my friends. Yep. I'm not looking to establish yep. any new buddies. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you why. Because at the office party, if you're HR, you're the <laughs> feds. That's why. You didn't know it. But nobody, everybody was waiting. Let me tell you, everybody's waiting for you to leave. They don't want you to stay there. They wanted you. As soon as you, as soon as you left, the real party started. They were like, thank God he's gone. Now it's back to business. I was one of the cool ones, though. Like, man. that's... Uh, Nah, HR has never seen. Nah, that's not it, bro. You're not. It's not. You can be a great person, but in that situation, you're the feds, and that's and why. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why CJ was, is so hilarious. Oh man, they was waiting for me to go, huh, man? You. you was a fed. <laughs> they was waiting for you to go. I assure you, they were waiting for you to now leave. Now the real party. So they, so the real, they made. Yeah, they made that party as dry as possible until you left. And then it was like, oh, okay, turn the faucet on because we about to get the thing where now. CJ mentions, you know, uh, there's too much alcohol consumption. I don't know why, but T-Pain just came on my head as long, with Jamie Foxx blaming on the alcohol. Like, for some reason, I'm just hearing yeah. those two songs in my head. Yeah. Oh, man, CJ, you're yeah. hilarious, man. It is. Until you get to, it's all fun and games, so you get that, that uh, email from HR, like... <laughs> well, greetings. We would like to have you come to our office. 
at 3 p.m. today because we'd like to discuss some concerning <laughs> information regarding the I will say, Park. though, that, no, I don't, that don't is do a good yourself. thing that you raised, a good point you raised, which is why is the office party in the middle of the week and not on a Friday or even on a Saturday? Oh, be <laughs> homicides. That's why. It's, absolutely. It's, it's even more risky on the weekend because it's absolutely a chance everybody's getting killed i'm not not laughing at carnage i just find it funny that no these are things that people actually rationalize about and try to justify there's no doubt there's no doubt the risk the risk profile your insurance company insurance everything is shot if you do that on a weekday weekend oh man can't do that all right, so look, so that was a good, those are some good asides <laughs> in terms of that. Let's let's jump into the, let's jump into the movie itself. Um, so, um, well, I know there's a couple of things you like in terms of the casting. You want to just yeah. break down your thoughts on some of the different people that were in here yeah, and what well, they were doing. I definitely want to just give a shout out um, to Bruce Willis and uh, to his family right now. Uh, as uh, it's been publicized, he's been going through some health related issues, specifically with uh, early onset of dementia. Um, so definitely, uh, shout outs to them. God bless him and his family and, uh, just wishing them the best as they go through this, uh, transition. Um, and I definitely also want to give a shout out, a rest in peace, shout out to Alan Rickman. Some of the younger generation might know him from, uh, Harry Potter. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. he's been in countless movies, uh, gone too soon. Definitely, uh, watching this made me uh, think of him very positively uh, because uh, mm-hmm. definitely a talent that's uh, sorely missed. And while we're on those who have uh, recently transitioned, um, Andre Brower, um, great actor who just recently uh, transitioned at the age of 61. Um, man, all I could think of is him in Glory to uh, Law & Order SVU. Um, he was also mm-hmm. in the offset where they, uh, took place in Maryland offhand. I can't think of uh, the name of it. Um, but it was like another, uh, offshoot of law and order. Uh, I mean, he's been in so many mm-hmm. things and a talent, uh, that too many black actors, um, looked up to and just aspired to be like him. So, uh, rest in peace to him and his family condolences to go out to them. Uh, Absolutely. but with respect to this movie, um, Wow, this was a, a a two hour, twelve minute action thriller that was set during Christmas Eve. Hence the reason of the title "Die Hard: A Christmas Story" on this Christmas story. <laughs> and uh, it was released as CJ had acknowledged earlier in the podcast in '88. And just a, a brief uh, rundown of movies, action movies specifically that ran during that same course that dropped in '88: uh, Young Guns, Rambo Three. Oh, I like yeah, Young Guns. Man. That's right. Yeah, so, that's a so good one. See, That's a good one. Okay, the cool. Theme here. Yeah, yeah run it yeah. down. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, Young Guns. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Rambo Three as well. Uh, they live. Uh, so you know Roddy Roddy Piper with that joint. Um, Red Heat with mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger playing uh, the Russian. Ah, oh, yes, I've read it. Yeah, Russian yeah. Dude. yeah, and uh, yeah. we also got my man Jean Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. Um, oh, yeah. Bloodsport was so good, man. <laughs> yeah. Bloodsport, yo, Bloodsport made me take up martial arts. Get out of here. It was, I did. I started started learning martial arts from Bloodsport, man. That joint was fantastic. Are you serious, man? Oh, man. Yeah, that was the joint. Especially with my man Bolo Young. Bolo, Bolo. Yeah. Yo, yo, that, That man, that was, that was the joint. Tong Po, Tong Po. That was the dude, man. Yeah, man. Yo, Tong Po goes back to like Bruce Lee time, man. Yeah, Bolo. He was in. He was in. He was in Dragon. Enter the Dragon. Yeah. He was the enforcer. Yeah, man. And one wow. of the few Asians that yeah. I recognized that was a bodybuilder. This dude was Diesel, man. Yeah, was huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, also movies that dropped during that time on just on the action tip thriller, if you will, Midnight Run with Robert De Niro. Uh, yeah. Shout out to uh, Robert De Niro. Uh, Mississippi mm-hmm. Burning with Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe. Really. Uh, definitely really a great movie. movie. Uh, can't forget Steven Seagal and Above the Law, uh, which is also good. Yeah, yeah. Give a shout out Steve. to Steve Seagal, yeah. who also surprisingly yes. for those who don't have IG or some, some form of social media, who later on had a reggae hit with uh, Lady Saw. 
Um, yeah, we got uh, License to Drive with uh, both of the Corys, um, the Deadpool so with Clint Eastwood. Uh, of course, you know, got to bring up uh, Chuck Norris with all the countless memes and jokes about him in uh, Hero and the Terror. Um, mm-hmm. And just on a lighter side, because uh, I'm thinking of my brother right now, definitely uh, Roger Rabbit. Um, uh, Who framed Roger yeah, Rabbit? And Beetlejuice. Yes. And Beetlejuice, since they're making yes. the remake of that, too, with uh, Michael Keaton. And uh, last but not least, can't forget Colors, which was a great movie. And mm-hmm. also yep. um, Platoon Leader, and, uh, and that's just on some cult uh, type stuff with my brother. And then last but not least, because we had Sega Genesis, Moonwalker with Michael Jackson. Yeah, man. Wow. So 88 was- Yeah, you know, you know, 88 was the year, man. Yo, you know, and it's interesting is that, you know, Bruce, you know, um, they are re-releasing Die Hard in theaters. Get out of here. Are you serious? Yeah, they're re-released. Yeah, yeah, I read wow. this, la- I read this earlier this week, yeah. They're re-releasing it in theaters, so it's like one of those movies that you can go and see in movie theaters right now. Are you serious? Um, wow! Yeah, I, I mean, it's a it's a Christmas it movie, a Christmas and movie. it's 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 Christmas time, you know. Man, I can't believe I missed out uh, of hearing that news. Like this is this is news to me. So shout out to CJ. Yeah. Oh man, Break, breaking live and live and breaking it on the show, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Breaking on the show. All right, so look, let's um, you ready to jump into the cake? Oh yeah, that we, yeah. Uh, let's let's like, do okay. it, Dad. I know you got you got a bunch of joints for this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be quick with mine. Yeah, no, shoot. Um, two quick things. So one, you said it at the top, um, and I'm gonna reiterate it. I really like Bruce Willis in this movie. Yeah, Bruce Willis absolutely is, um, like kind of the unconventional leading man, mm-hmm. but he has a really great balance of humor and charisma and the ability to be like an action hero mm-hmm. kind of person at the same time. And I'm going to, I'm going to step a on a limb here and just say this. I think if they were going to redo this movie mm. in 2024, I think the person that would play John McClane would be Ryan Gosling. Wow. Somebody who can do comedy, mm-hmm. do action, right and has like a sort of a charisma sort of a charm to him but it's not like a physically imposing person like mm. you know like how you talked about you know like how you t- talked about um we we're talking earlier about like jack reacher yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and the, mm-hmm. the show that guy that's in that show he's intimidating physically yeah like if he's in there in a one-on-one fight with people you can be like he's gonna win a course he <laughs> looks like an nfl linebacker <laughs> like bruce willis and and like rising gosling like they don't necessarily look like those people but they work in those action kind of movies. No, I could see that. And I'm just, and I'm just saying, I say it's like Bruce Willis. I thought he was great in this movie. He's what makes the movie interesting. Yes. Because the wrong person, it wouldn't work, but no. it works great with him. No, that's, so that's one of the things. No, that's definitely a good point right there. Uh, shout out to Alan Richson, who played Hawk in uh, Teen Titans. And uh, shout out to Ryan Gosling uh, for being able to not only do Blade Runner, which starred Harrison mm-hmm. Ford. So I could see where CJ's yep. going. So yeah, yeah. I like that, CJ. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing, I noticed this is like a small thing, but it can be a big thing if you're paying attention to it. I love the score of this movie. Mm. I just love the, I think the music per, is perfect in terms of setting the emotional tone of the movie. So when when you feel like, when Bruce Willis's character, John McClane, seems like, he's like gonna go crazy because yeah. of how severe how significant the situation is the music matches that mm. when it's kind of down a little bit it matches that so right. i think like those were two things that i really liked about it i know you got some ones let's jump into your, your oh man <laughs> yeah, cj and i uh we were going uh in the pre in the pre-meeting of uh discussing this film and man can i tell you just some of the things that we went back and forth on i wish that you know we could give the fans a glimpse as far as what we talk about. Um, but I don't know if it's uh rated yeah, for mature cut. audiences. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the stuff that goes behind the paywall. That's yeah. not, you, can't, you don't do that for free. That's... Yeah, man. Um, but I, I, lo- I love this movie for the fact that, you know, here we have John McClane, who's a detective with the New York Police Department, and he's flying out to Los Angeles because his wife, Holly Gennaro McClane, and their two kids are out in Cali because she took a better job. Um, She is the uh, director of corporate affairs 
for uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Takagi uh, is her her boss in the uh, Takanawa building. Um, and so she's out there. She's doing it up and she's doing her thing. And John comes out there um, on a surprise visit because she didn't know whether or not he took the uh, flight in a timely manner. So, you know, I get that sense of romance because uh, like everyone who tunes into the show knows I'm a hopeless romantic. And um, for somehow, some way he manages to put his foot in his mouth and it leads to one of my favorite scenes about the cake that I'm about to reference. Um, Holly uh, and the rest of uh, her co-workers have just heard, they didn't personally witness it, the murder of uh, uh, their leader, Joseph Takana, uh, Joseph Takagi, um, at the hands of Hans Gruber. And uh, she's talking to Ellis, and he says to her, you know, I think I can negotiate this. You know, what's the difference? I negotiate, uh, you know, million-dollar settlements all the time, uh, excuse me, million-dollar transactions all the time. And she says, oh, yeah? Tell that to Takagi. <laughs> now, I'm not laughing at death, but the way she says it is so cold and, and just unfeeling, uh, unfeeling. You could see why John loves her. And then uh, the next thing, um, uh, one of the more memorable lines is, uh, John is uh, in the midst of trying to report this whole incident to the police. Oh, he calls yeah, uh, yeah. over, the, over the walkie-talkie, and uh, he says, and the, excuse me, and the uh, lady officer says, this line is reserved for our emergencies. And he retorts, no F and S, lady. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Fine. So she, she comes back with, um, if you continue... Uh, with this, you know, I'm going to have to report you to the FCC. And this is how this is this is classic John. And he says, fine, report me. Just send the effing police right now. <laughs> it flash forwards to uh, Sergeant Powell, who or at least that's what he's going by in the uh, early onset in the movie where later he becomes Carl Winslow. Um, and he says. So the he he goes into the. Uh, I guess it's like a 7-Eleven and uh, the, the <laughs> cashier says, thought you guys just ate donuts. And he, and Sergeant Powell says, they're for my wife. And the guy says, yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah. Bag it big time. <laughs> and it's just the banter, the back and forth is just so hilarious because here we are breaking stereotypes of police officers eat donuts and, and coffee. And meanwhile, he's picking up a big bag of Twinkies. But is it really a difference? You know, they're both stuffed yeah. with some type of cream and made with, with compounds that you can't really pronounce with the exception of uh, Sergeant Powell, who happens to know the ingredients to Twinkies by heart. Um, the next uh, comic Which is a crazy thing. detail. That's a crazy, yeah. like, I, yo, what were they trying to say that he just know, like, he, <laughs> who knows everything that's in a Twinkie that can still eat a Twinkie? Like, once you read the back, once you read the back of the label, you can't eat a Twinkie anymore. Like, you, it's like a mystery that you just have to, you can't, un, you can't un, unwrap that mystery and then keep eating. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, we would do science experiments to see how long they could last, and the prevailing thought was they could last for forever. Right. <laughs> like, it's not a why real food. You want that? You... Yeah. Right. <laughs> kind of like spam. Food. It's not a real food, man. <laughs> not at all. Um, so then he says, um, after that, uh, we get the next one, which I find real funny. Um, John is is running around and he says uh when when once uh Carl is being shot at with an M16, you know, the gun that Rambo had. Mm -hmm. Um and mind you, CJ pointed this out. Not one bullet managed to in uh, introduce itself to <laughs> He got shot. It was like four it was 400 bullets in the car <laughs> and he was okay. He had a little scratch on his head. He had first of all, they dropped a first of all, they dropped a human body on top of the car which right. should have at least smashed the windshield. It should have been glass yes. all over. It didn't even break the windshield. He got no. shot at by high-powered machine guns, 400 <laughs> rounds, drove backwards, crashed off the side of a building, got out. He had a yeah. scratch on his head, and that was it. And that was it. That's why he moved, <laughs> he moved, I, he moved to Chicago afterwards because he thought it was safe I, after that. I think it was the Twinkies, though. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> we hear John say, Welcome to the party, pal. As if this was like a a, a a a holiday party that you would really want to enjoy. Um, the next the next uh, funny line, of course, is uh, Hans says to him, "Do you really think that you have a chance against us?" And in 
this is the ultimate scene that everybody knows. John's backing away towards the elevator and he says, yippee ki MF. Yep. Uh, real smooth, like, you know, classic line. Every, every action hero has a classic mm -hmm. line. Arnold has, I'll be back. Uh, you know, John has, yippee ki um, then you're introduced to the deputy chief of police, uh, Dwayne T. Uh, Johnson, and he comes and, you know, just a total buffoon. And John says there to him, is. well, from up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of Jack S. I'm not the one that just got butt effed on national TV, Dwayne. If you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. Now stop being part of the effing problem and put the other guy back on. This is a uh, hallmark John McClane because he's telling everyone, excuse me, he's the voice for all the officers and disclosing their dis just their total distrust, a disrespect for the chief of police because of his incompetence and basically verbalizing what they all wanted to say, but never had the guts to say. Um, my next, my next uh, favorite quote is Holly to Hans. After all your posturing, all your speeches, <laughs> you're nothing more than a common thief. And shout out to Alan Rickman because he steals this where he says, I am an exceptional thief, Miss McLean. And since I'm moving up on kidnapping, you should be more polite. Now, yeah. I don't know yeah. who says that. Yeah. They, he might have Alan yeah, He might have ad-libbed that joint. That was that was a good one. I, I think so, because he's really leaning into the fact that he's a suave, debonair European thief who also was a former member of a terrorism organization. Mm -hmm. Um the next man, the next one that I, I find very funny is uh, agents Johnson and Johnson and they're back and forth where they're in the helicopter about to basically murder innocent uh, uh, hostages. And they're willing to accept that casualty loss because he says to him, how many people do you think we're going to frag? Not, you know, collateral damage mm -hmm. or anything like that. This is an acceptable loss for him. And the other one says eh, maybe 20 percent. And they both say, "Yeah, I can live with that." Yeah, that was crazy. now. This is the FBI. Yo, they were so they were so incompetent that I thought they were working with the terrorists. Oh yeah, I thought that Everyone I thought I had forgotten. Like I was like, "Dang, I don't remember this movie." Are they working with the terrorists? Because that yeah. it would have made more sense for them to be doing that based on how they were acting. So yeah, that's a good one. Well, that's the thing, too, because typically Robert Davi's characters, such as when he was in Raw Deal, he's usually the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And he really plays those roles very, very well. Yeah. And also shout out to the other agent, Johnson, uh, Grant L. Bush, who was a bit role player. Uh, you'll probably remember him from being in uh, 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 what is it? The uh, James Bond movie with um, I can't think of his name. Timothy Dalton, where the Living uh, Daylights. Um, uh is that the one what's the one where he's down in florida his friend gets eaten by a shark like part of his leg gets ripped off that's the one he's in um i can't think yeah, of it they it, go to yeah, an island the big drug dealer was only timothy dalton was only bond in like two movies right I think he only did yeah two. yeah one yep, of them yep. was called the living daylights i don't remember what the other one was i wonder if that is the one that i'm probably thinking about because it's with like a big time drug dealer and he's trying to go corporate with the asians yeah. And they come down, but one of them is an undercover cop. Um, nonetheless, um, and then I have my last quote, which is, uh, excuse me, last two quotes, which are highlighted by uh, Deputy Chief Johnson, where he says, uh, right after the uh, FBI agents go up in flames, he says, <laughs> looks like we're going to need some new FBI guys, I guess. <laughs> like, and, and this is in the midst of the helicopter blowing up, mm -hmm. not... Oh, you know, fellow officers of the law, you know, condolences. Oh, we're going to avenge you. No, he's just like, we're going to need some new FBI guys. And then last but not least is when Hans's body is coming down that 30 floor, that 30th floor, he says, I hope that's not a he hostage. Did say that. <laughs> like, he did. You know what's, you know, what's amazing about this is like, you're, you've almost completely reframed this movie as a comedy, like with everything that you're saying. <laughs> And it also it also makes me feel like the last twenty three minutes of this movie is like anything goes. Like they just they just I don't even know if the script was written out that far. They were just like, "Yo, let's just storyboard this. This was gonna happen. Y'all just do it and live to see where it goes from there." Oh, That's man. a I, the, I 
I think the reason why these these events are so comedic is that they're just so over the top and outlandish that you can't believe police yeah. officers or other agents of the law would actually have the gall to yeah. say these things, let alone act. Yeah, upon the them. police officers talking about we need some FBI guys. I, that's like if I registered when I was watching it. I was like, what? Like, that's a crazy <laughs> one, man. All right. Uh, can I jump into jump into my hate? Because I think I got I got I think I got more than you do with this guy. But I'm I'm gonna yeah. run these down yeah. fairly just quickly. Um, all right. So the first one I'm gonna say this is gonna sound crazy when I say it. I know, but I hate whenever cops pull guns on people but don't kill them. I know that sounds terrible. I know it. I know. I know it sounds terrible yeah. for me to say that. But in the first the first terrorist that John McClane comes into contact with, he puts his gun in his head like. He's gonna hold him hostage or something in that way. Right. Carl's brother. Thing, right, Carl's brother. And the thing that's so crazy, like, he's a cop. So he knows when you pull your gun out, the only the purpose of the gun is to kill at that point, right? So the fact that he's like even entertaining that I'm gonna like hold and do what? What's he gonna do with him? Like, just shoot him and be done with it. This what? is this is like well that would be cold blooded murder though. He, and then you have to distinguish he's one hey, of the good guys. So he's giving the guy an opportunity I to get surrender. It. Instead they instead he broke Maybe. his neck tackling him down <laughs> down a flight of steps. And then and then ridiculed his death to his brother by saying your brother squealed right, before exactly. he died too exactly. when he broke so his he's neck. A, he's about death. Like anyway, so that's it. I don't like that. Um <laughs> yo, I you you mentioned it a couple times. The police chief is just stupid and incompetent. He's a terrible He's a, the actor does a great job of playing what is a terrible character. Um, other things, yo, Argyle does ask too many questions. He gets on my nerves. Uh, I agree with that. <laughs> he's he's uh, He gets on my nerves there. One of the things that, two things I hate. So the whole part of like the shootout that happens when they're hiding behind desks. These people are shooting like mm. automatic, like machine guns, right? Now, if you anybody that's worked in an office yeah. knows, office furniture is like, the absolute bottom barrel of what you could get. <laughs> this stuff will disintegrate on its own in five years if you don't get rid of it, right? There's no way you can hide behind a desk in an office from machine gun fire like they were shooting at here. That that wasn't even remotely realistic. Like, come on, that's that's ridiculous. Hate. Um, I also did. I also don't like that John. The whole scene with John and not recognizing Han's voice or not like. That was just a weird scene to me. It's like it's like they it's like they said, mm. "Dang, we need a scene where Hans and John actually talk to each other." But how do we do it in a way where it doesn't immediately end in death? Oh, I know. We'll have this mm. them have this interaction. It didn't even make sense for Hans to be up in the building by himself anyway. He's the boss. Like the boss doesn't do that. That's for the that's for the soldiers. No. Right. He's the general. The, the general sits in the desk. Like that didn't even make sense. But then it's like <laughs> John, like knowing that it was Hans and giving Hans a gun and being like, "Hi, I got you. You thought that you was gonna shoot me, but I no, <laughs> just shoot him. Cap, put a cap, put a cap in him and go on." That was ridiculous to me. Um, <laughs> the movie is about twenty minutes, twenty to thirty minutes too long, um, for my taste. And my last hate is that you are never driving away from a crime scene like that, like they do in the end. There's no mm. way that you're going to get in a busted limo and drive away. First of all, John's got hepatitis from cutting his feet and walking around on glass <laughs> and blood for for an hour. He might have to have both of his feet amputated, number one. Number, one. number two, shot. his wife has been through a traumatic experience. They've both been shot at. John has killed 15 human beings at this point. Somebody's got to file some yeah. paperwork, man. You can't just get in a car like, hey, let's go back to the house. You ain't going back to no house, no. man. You're going to listen. They're going from the, the uh, hospital to a police station for the rest of the weekend. And then and then maybe At they're the going to get least. out of there. So hate, hate, hate. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That's, that's what I got, man. Which, which, which you got? Oh, man. Oh, wait. You know, wait. Let me just say this. Well, this last thing. And this is not hate, but it's just something I got to point out. Okay. The scene where the, where the, that, that newscaster going to the kid, going to their house. And talking to their uh, kids and everything. The, yeah, I know Richard how he Thornburg. punched the guy in the face, but here's the truth. In real life, they sue the news station. They're gonna sue the Los Angeles Police no Department. Question. They are gonna be rich forever after yes. this. They're gonna be they're oh. gonna be Bruce Willis 
being able to have a chain of Bruce Willis wearing a chain, that level rich, like Rick Ross, rich forever <laughs> status. There are no more diehard movies after this. They're flying private because they're rich. There's never, there's never oh, kind of kind of like a uh, ludicrous wearing a uh, mini me absolutely gold like chain on his like, neck and like <laughs> like john mcclain will have like the ghost face gold falcon joint on his wrist because he's that rich like there there's so many lawsuits that the mcclains are gonna have that there's no more diehards after this okay I'm what what you got man oh man Oh man, shout out to Paul Gleason who played Deputy Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. I know I've been saying Johnson, but I meant Robinson. Uh, and also another kudos to uh, William Atherton who played Richard Thornburg. Uh, and if it's any uh, cons uh, consolation, um, he also ends up with a, uh, I think a restraining order in Die Hard 2 against Holly for getting punched in his face yeah. like that on live television. Um, as far as my dislikes, um, they're not as 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 numerous as CJ's. Uh, first and foremost, why is Hans hooked on to Holly's <laughs> Rolex and not pulling her arm out of her socket as he hangs out the window? That that's what I want to know. Um, doesn't really make any sense to me. Uh, I'm with CJ Argyle. Um, did he not hear any of the shots being being let off? Like how loud was Stevie Wonder playing in that in that limo? And you know he's engaged in a telephone conversation. What was he talking about with that young lady that he was trying to uh, uh, meet up with, coordinate plans to see later on that evening? How 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 engaged was this guy? Uh, I, I I don't know for for the life of I'm me. Gonna, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to our. I know I got what a shot question about him later on too. I got him. I got one for him. Yeah, I just I both of us both of us are, are gun owners, and I just can't. I've heard guns, and I go deaf. So I'm sitting here like I've been to many a range and I'm like, yeah, you distinctly know when a gun is, is shot. So how do you not hear that? But nonetheless, um, kudos to uh, to Devereaux White, who played Argyle. And uh, also a uh, uh, shout out to my man, Al Leung, who is the Asian guy uh, where CJ announced uh, it was like a yeah, uh, United was, Nations yeah. of terrorists. Yo, they were the Hans United Steve. Colors of Benetana terrorists, man. They had... The Eastern European guys, they're the Asian guy, they're the black guy. They're, they're really doing it. Like, they really have, like, a real diverse terrorist network, man. It was impressive. <laughs> Shout out to Clarence Gillier Jr., who was Theo, the computer hacker. And that that leads me to, a, a just a, as a sidebar, um, I'm glad to see that three out of the four main uh, black heroes in this movie didn't die. Sure. I mean, uh, apologies to, uh, yeah, Grandel Bush's character, Agent Johnson, for being a... Uh, a marshmallow in the helicopter, but I'm glad that Theo, uh, Sergeant Powell, and uh, Argyle made it uh, and were actually uh, helpful in solving the crimes. Um, as far as my last dislike, it's just strictly about Takagi. Like, why didn't he just give Man. him the code? Why was he uh, switched out for a mannequin <laughs> when he got his head blown off? Like, so look, yeah, so that was definitely a case where they didn't have the budget, right, to keep Takagi's to keep to keep a real person laying there in a pool of fake blood so they were like we'll throw this mannequin down because this is going to save us 50 a 50 box of pyrotechnics for this explosion we're going to do on the roof later on yeah and they're like hey nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna know, nobody's gonna notice little do they know that that all these well, years have, later will is going to be yeah, the person to point that. out that that was a mannequin that's cold <laughs> I mean, the wig wasn't on straight. I mean, like they went to the side, then they no, went to a back a angle real quick. I mean, the, the mannequin was looking thinner than Takagi. The suit it's didn't crazy. look the same. And like, and it also and also it is a fair question. Oh, Why didn't you just give them the codes? And 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 are we are we, are we into the questions? Because I got I got a follow up to this one. All right. Okay. Yeah, so no, that, this is a that's a great I think segue. This is one of the ones that, that you were you were asking about before is why did they kill Takagi in the first place? Why like like there was so many I ways no to idea. get they there's could, so many ways to get the code tortured him that could have I mean they had a plan their plan could have taken 35 minutes or four and a half hours and they chose the mm -hmm. four and a half hour route Agreed. because they killed the only guy that had the code to get Which into means. the safe that they were trying to get into they could have pulled his fingernails off they could have pulled his teeth out it was shot him in the kneecap there's a million things you could do that would I mean Hans 
Hans is literally right, uh, reading off his uh, CV, and he knows that he has five kids. You don't kidnap his kids, go to his wife's house, leave one of the terrorists there, make a phone call. Hey, it was if you a don't million do this, ways that they could have done that this. differently. And I know after everything that we've just said in the last two minutes, me and Will sound like we've done this before, but we have not. I guarantee you that <laughs> neither of us have kidnapped or tortured anyone. No. Speculating what you would no, do not at all. in a hypothetical situation where you need to get information from somebody that they didn't want to give you. All right. Oh man, it's it's crazy because it must be said, as I always say, I'm the one that suspends reality. But if I'm finding holes this big that you can literally drive a, a Mack truck through, there's something wrong with driving, the plot devices. Okay. So let me jump into my let me get into my man Argyle. Okay, so Argyle is in the in the 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 garage, right? He's in the garage underneath, right? Drives around, he sees that the gates are down. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm just gonna sit in here and wait to die. Mm -hmm. Right. At the end of the movie, he drives <laughs> through the gate, right, and comes out. Why didn't you do that two and a half hours ago mm -hmm. and go and go and like drive to the police station, save some lives to do something? The only thing I could come up with is that it's a plot device. He, but they'll try and explain it away as he finally came into his own and he gathered up the nerve and he had a steel vision of what he could do to help the hostage victims. And he was also yeah. perplexed by seeing the yeah. ambulance drive out of yeah. the back of the uh, tractor trailer. So that was okay. the reason why he didn't leave earlier. He couldn't believe he was in total dismay and shock. He finally heard the shots and understood the seriousness once uh um uh Thun thornberg came on to the news and explained right. what I was hate, transpiring okay <laughs> all right here's my next question so these are gonna these are gonna grow go up a little bit in difficulty right so my next question is and i and i i know okay. that you have an answer for this but i want to answer ask it because i think other people should know if they, yeah. they miss it like i did why did John take his shoes and socks off when he was doing his wash up in the shot in the bathroom thing? This made no sense to me when mm -hmm. I was watching it. And you have a you have the answer, so I want you to say the answer because this was it was a good it was it was on point. So why does John have his socks and shoes off? Well, well, everything ties back. They they do give you the uh, chance to remember that he had. Uh, a brief encounter with a gentleman on the airplane who told him, yep. look, you know how you want to get over your fear of flying? Take off your shoes, ball your feet up into a fist on a rug. And then fast forward, you see John in the bathroom and he says, basically, well, I'll mm -hmm. be darned. You know, Good it job. really does yeah, no, work. You won that round. That round won to you. Okay. Here's the next question. <laughs> this one's a little bit more tricky. Now I now I understand why okay. this happens because it actually helps the plot along. But I need you I, I'm wondering what exactly is the state of John and Holly's relationship? And I'm asking that because okay, John's in New York, Holly's on the West Coast. John still wears his wedding mm -hmm. ring, Holly's not right. wearing hers. Holly goes by her maiden name, not her her uh married name. She he's coming out there, she invites him to stay at the house that they all live in with the kids but to stay in the guest bedroom. So what exactly, what exactly right. is at the end of the, and it, but it seems like she's happy to see him. She seems like there's like some rhythm and vibe there. Uh, what, what is this? What exactly is the status of Holly and John's relationship? I think they are Archie Bunker and Alice Bunker 2.0 <laughs> without the racism. And I say that because, um, both of them are headstrong individuals. She is the modern woman who has uh, been able to elevate uh, through the corporate world and become successful, probably more so than him. He appears to be a traditional man who, uh, you know, believes that, you know, the he's the breadwinner. Yes, he has, quote unquote, allowed her to have a career outside of the home. Um, so he's still not a caveman. But um, I think this also ties in with your theory about Ellis. I think that she did get lonely. There is the potential that there, at the very least, she flirted mm. with the idea of entertaining him, um, realized that he was a low life, and maybe that's why she put the kibosh on and uh, asked 
uh, in her own way for him to come out to LA so that there was the hopes of reconciling. And I think the writers wanted to redeem her character. That's why they had her uh, speak to the, uh, I don't want to call her a maid, but the house assistant um, who (laughs) unfortunately was threatened with INS um, uh, to basically say, Hey, did you prepare the guest room? And she was like way ahead of you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's also in, the way that a lot of stereotypes are portrayed too, where the woman will say, and again, before I'm going to preface my statement, no means no. Um, women are allowed to, you know, tell you no, even all the way up to the point where in the bedroom, respect boundaries. Um, but I think that's the way of them playing coy and being, you know, no, don't do that. Oh, you're so bad. Like in a in a way where they introduce the idea to you and make it seem like it's your idea when in actuality it's hers and she doesn't want to appear as uh, being promiscuous. So you're saying that I'll be diplomatic. So you're saying that Holly. Um, so I think this is a way back with John, but their relationship is kind of strained. Yes. Okay. <laughs> good yes. way to sum. Good, good way. To, uh, that's a, a good, good way, way to put to, a summary uh, on that one, right? So, yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm, I'm rocking with that. All right. So last question. And this one is going to be, well, I thought this was a little tricky, but you know, maybe not top five. Yeah. Bruce Willis movies. One, one to five. No, this, this was one. This was hard. All right. So, so I got number one, I got the last boy scout. I I just, it's a hilarious action movie. It's a hilarious action movie uh, to me. So I got Damon Wayne's Last Boy Scout number one. I got Unbreakable number two. Once again, Bruce Willis, Sam Jackson. They they do good stuff together. Um, number three, I got Pulp yep. Fiction. Also, yeah, they one do. With Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson. Um, number four, I got The Sixth Sense. M Night Shyamalan, really good movie. And then number five, okay. I'm taking Sin City. Yep. I will say that right on the outside mm. was Armageddon, which I really liked, and Die Hard 3, which is my favorite in the series. Yeah. What you got? Okay. Okay. Uh, CG and I uh, are pretty uh, much in aligned in a lot of things, and this okay, being of one of them. Of I got number yeah. one, Pulp Fiction. Of course, number two, Lucky Number Slevin. Uh Okay. Number three, Tears from the Sun. Classic, man. I love that movie. Yep. Um, four, I got Sin City. And five, I got Die Hard 3. Uh, I definitely want to oh, shout out. Oh, the fifth out, element uh, is good. I uh, forgot about element. that one. Dope That's movie. That's right. Yeah, I, I was oh. struggling, man. I, I oh, wish you missed. I need to redo my list, boy. That's a good I one. I was like, yo. I <laughs> and I was also uh, struggling with uh, the Jackal, and that's with Sidney Poitier, where um, uh, Bruce Willis actually plays the villain in this. He's an assassin who's going around bucking people, and that's with uh, River Phoenix in it too. Man. Great, great performances yeah, that's by all one. three. Um, and uh, my brother, just to shout him out, he loved The Last Man Standing. That's where Bruce Willis plays John Smith, and it is a combination of a of a nineteen forties type of gangster out in the West, and I mean like the cowboy. Yeah, West that's a good a yo. The town. Fifth Element. I can't Dope. believe I didn't remember that. I might have to bump Sin City at number five yeah, for man. The Fifth Element. I really like that movie. That's um. Yeah, unfortunately, it had uh, Chris Tucker playing some type of uh, hydrogenous yeah. individual. Yeah, I was like, excuse I was, me, androgynous. I, I, don't know why I said hydrogenous. Um, androgynous. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he wasn't no. cookie in that joint. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, nah, that's a good. That's a good. That's a no, good man. list. Um, were there any questions that you had before we roll? Get into the boxes of popcorn. Okay, you got some. Oh, oh yeah, man. Shoot. Yeah, I got a few that uh, I wanted to run by you. Um, so I'm I'm going to start with because since we already covered one of my first questions, um, were cops allowed yeah, or permitted rather 80s, to right? bring guns on airplanes in eighty? So I think I think like we, we remember guns? we're like so exposed to the post two thousand one world. Like you used to be able to walk somebody up to the up to the door going into the airport <laughs> back in the, on the plane back in the day, like air airport like oh, planes yeah. used to have. Um, you could smoke. A, they used to have ashtrays in the in the handrests. You know, like it was, 
the 80s was completely different like he could he probably he, yeah he probably didn't even have to tell them that first of all there were no metal detectors he probably just walked in and they were just like hey you good man yeah i'm good and he just oh. <laughs> like, like the 80s is completely different like i was thinking about that too it's no yeah i mean he probably didn't even tell them i'm a cop he was just it was like, they would just walk hey come on in man no big deal no yeah, of so course that, not yeah so that's that's what it was but it's the 80s you can do it every one and, and we had to look it yep. up but the crazy thing is you could still smoke in planes in 1990 it wasn't until 2000 that you couldn't yep. smoke on international different flights world, that man. were of six hours or more it's a different different world about like that. summer <laughs> crazy yeah mm -hmm. definitely great and she's also a great voice actress too um my next question no. is are reporters allowed to give police officers no information this is during an no. active this crime is why scene they in a this is why the McLean's are rich forever just and there's no more die hard movie that one event right there wiped out the whole <laughs> die hard legacy the whole rest of it should be rich hard like or hard rich or bank hard or something else it should it should be something else because they, they have so much money after suing a major news station after that cop after that guy did that so they're good, they're good. uh but third question is how many villains are in this movie and i don't just mean the obvious yeah, so terrorists. the terrorists like, know that they're bad we guys. working with the other people are so incompetent that they become bad guys so like the police chief is so bad at his job he becomes a bad guy oh. the fbi guys we talked yes. about before i thought they were actually working with the terrorists because of how bad because how bad they are the the uh the reporter he's like he might be the most evil person mm -hmm. in the whole in the whole movie actually because he's like he has no respect for anything he CJ has no I, respect for anybody cj and i were going thing, back and man. forth on that yeah like who goes last... up to a five-year-old, two, three, four, five-year-old, and asks who you may never hey, see if you again? You could say one thing you could thing say to your mom and dad. What's the last thing? It's you crazy. What would you say? Like what? Threaten, threatening the uh, the uh, house uh, mm -hmm. uh, house person, the, the lady crazy. who's taking care of him, the yeah, caregiver, threatening her with oh, ins. Like what? <laughs> uh, and mm -hmm. My last question for CJ is this. All right, you ready? How is Carl? Yo, able to this is what I think. Strangulation okay, so first, and get down from the chain. Okay, so everything, and this is the thing that's, that's that's interesting about this movie. Everything, I understand why they did it, but it does it just doesn't make sense. So basically, what happens is right. Bruce Willis has yeah. choked out Carl and left him to die. <laughs> He's hung there for about five minutes. He's dead. He's beyond dead. He comes out with a machine gun and it gives Carl Winslow because that's what we're calling now. We're just gonna call him Carl Winslow. It gives Carl Winslow a chance to shoot him because him Carl. Carl Winslow earlier on in the movie tells a story about how he shot a kid and it was dark and all this kind of stuff. And now this is his chance to resolve that situation. Carl the truth is, too. is that this was like, I think they, I think they did the movie and they were like, dang, we need like something else at the end. What about Carl? Like, isn't Carl dead? No. I mean, how dead is dead? Right. So maybe, maybe <laughs> Carl can come back. And this will give this will give uh, you know <laughs> Officer Winslow a chance to like you know get a righteous kill in before he goes to Chicago, and that was it. That was the point. It made no sense whatsoever. And I mean, like, if you're Carl and you've survived death, you've cheated death into that degree, just leave the building. Just walk out the back. Walk out the back door. Get in the car. Yeah. Go and join. Go mm -hmm. to the rest of your terrorist union network, and then come back. And then come back and get John McClane later, if you can, because Terrorist he's rich forever now. So he's got security and you may never be able to get to him. That's what I got for you. <laughs> the funny thing is, I, 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 at first I thought it was, you know, a little, little out there, but now that CJ has elaborated as far as his theory, it's like, well, mm -hmm. officer Winslow is a Sergeant in both shows and him borrowing yeah. the name Carl and spelling it with a yeah. C in Family Matters is yeah. almost took, like paying he took the name of the man he killed to That's his he righteous kill. He did like I talented Mister Ripley. He did. He took his identity. Yeah. And here we go. All right, so let's get into the popcorn <laughs> boxes. Uh, I'm gonna go first. So you know, 
there's things obviously about this movie that yes, I sir. like. Um, some things that I didn't. I'm I'm gonna land it at three boxes of popcorn for Die Hard number one. What, what you got, Will? Oof. I'm going with mm-hmm. a solid four, man. Uh, it gives you a little bit of everything: action, yeah. thriller, comedy, suspense. You name it, man. This is this is all time prime yeah. Bruce Willis. You man. definitely and brought the humor part out, which is first action. I hadn't I didn't think about it quite so much, but yeah, I could see how that's there. Um, <laughs> all right, so just like in in conclusion, concluding thoughts. So it's funny, like I I think um, the thing that's interesting about this movie is. I'm sure in 1988, this idea of a hostage situation to this extent was really like far-fetched. Unfortunately, in 2023, this same thing Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form could happen at a mall, unfortunately at a school, at a supermarket. I mean, like there's so many places where um, guns, people have guns and where the ability to, take people hostage and, and, you know, murder people is just so much more possible now. Um, and so for that reason, I think the main, you know, the main meaning of this is like, what I take from this is like, yo, always keep your cool and always maintain situational awareness because you just never know where it's going to go down. Like you got like, like now <laughs> I, if I, every place I go, I always try to figure out where's the exits, where are the exits, how can I be as near the exit mm. as possible without being close to the front door? Um, how can I sit like where I can see people coming in? How do I like think about, you know, it's it's just so many things now. And the reason why Bruce Willis survives in this situation is because he's the only person with situational awareness. He's the only person that actually knows what to do in a in a really like violently escalating situation. So <laughs> It's not a super scientific thing. I get, I get that, but that's what I think it is. You'll keep cool, maintain your situa- situational awareness. Well, that ties into yeah. one of your favorite Bruce Willis movies, The Last Boy Scout. So I can see why you came to that conclusion, and I can respect that. Uh, being that it's the holiday season and we're about to celebrate uh, Hanukkah, and then you know, as we all know, that wonderful time of year, Christmas is coming up in the celebratory fashion as well as Kwanzaa can't leave that out uh followed by New Year's um I'm gonna go with love and family you have uh John who's dedicated to his job as a police officer and that means he has a love of people he's willing to fight the good fight and protect those who are unable to stand up and and uh protect themselves uh his commitment knows no bounds whether it be in New York or on the west coast of California, this man of action is able to do all and see all and be everywhere against informidable odds, even risking life and literally his limbs, as CJ so articulated uh, brilliantly Some. with uh, him Some. pretty much uh, having to have at least a toe amputated with that big shard of glass. Uh, yeah, because this dude, man, he has... Uh, been totally unstoppable in this movie and the fact that he and his wife are able to reconcile that's not enough for me i'm thinking hey she better not ever divorce this man um because he's willing to you know basically put his life on the line when she uh elegantly quotes oh my god after seeing him literally with a bullet in his shoulder barefooted bleeding profusely dragging his left leg um you know he looks like he ran into the ringer, got sacked by Ray Lewis, uh, you name it, punched by Mike Tyson, prime Mike Tyson at that. Um, but the fact that he is able to overcome all of those and still win his lady, and as Hans Gruber pointed out, right off into the sunset, a la John Way and Grace Kelly, where he was corrected that it is Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly in, uh, in fashion, uh, you know, just says it all. So in the tradition of holidays and festivities, I just want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. And with our next event uh, that will continue this tradition of uh, celebrating a Christmas story. Uh, CJ, why don't you tell so, the yeah, folks so me what we'll we talked be, about uh, this. doing I think in next in week's like, uh, episode? Probably back in November, right? We knew this was like one of the ones we always knew we were going to do. So next week we're going to do National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? 
just a great Christmas movie. It'd just be a fun, fun conversation. And it's um yes, it's one of those movies that I just really like watching. It just always brings a smile to my face. So uh that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be breaking down the Griswolds next week. So uh so please, please uh tune in for that. Uh once again, the Sticky Floors podcast is available wherever you find your podcast. We're on Apple, we are on Spotify. We just want you to like, subscribe, comment. Your comments help us to do this better. We will see you next week. Peace.